Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24:15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. And thank you for tuning in. We are continuing in our series called What's So Important About the Book of James. I'm going to read James chapter 1, verse 1. It says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. It's interesting, James, being the half-brother of Jesus, never called Jesus his brother in any of his writings. It's very clear in the Bible that all his brothers didn't believe in him. Except when we read the book of James or the book of Jude, both his half-brothers, they never mention he's his brother. They both call him the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because they had a revelation. And James has a revelation. He grew up with Jesus. If anybody knew Jesus, James did. So, when James speaks, everybody listens. And when anybody needed credibility, they mentioned it, James. As a matter of fact, Paul did in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, And when James, he mentions James there, Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Why did Paul mention James? Because James is credible. If James was calling Paul a pillar, Paul thought that James' comment was worthy of mentioning. And Peter did also. In Acts chapter 12, verses 16 through 17, it says, Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Why did Paul and Peter mention James? Because they knew his credibility, and they had great respect for this man. And it's known that James became a leader of the church in Jerusalem. He was officiating at the Council of Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 15, verses 6 through 13, it says, Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, 
declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. And in the next eight verses, James shared his opinion, confirming it with Old Testament predictions of the prophets quoting from Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, and Moses. He even dictated what should be said in the letter to be written to the Gentile saints and the apostles, elders, and the whole church agreed. But the book of Acts was not the only letter James was a part of. He wrote a personal letter to the 12 tribes and to the Gentiles. We call it the book or the letter of James. This letter caused a stir. It speaks on many issues, and his words are straight to the point. No pitter-pattering, no dilly-dallying, no wishy-washy, no namby-pamby. James wants us to know and understand some things, subjects he felt were very important to the Christian walk. Well, what did James want us to know? Well, he wanted us to know practical religion and genuine faith. Why? Because he experienced it his entire life. His point is Jesus is practical. Jesus is genuine. There's a lot in this short letter. He talks about the testing of our faith, the perspective of rich and poor, the qualities needed in trials, being doers and not hearers only, the sin of partiality. He talks about faith without works is dead, the taming of the tongue, heavenly versus demonic wisdom. He speaks of pride that promotes strife. Humility that cures worldliness. Do not judge a brother, he says, and do not boast about tomorrow. He gives a warning to the rich and talks about patience in suffering. He speaks of the prayer of faith, and he talks about bringing back the erring one. When James speaks, everyone listens. Are we ready to listen? What seemed to be the controversy at the council in Jerusalem and again in the determination for the inspiration or canon of his letter in later years. It was his words, faith without works is dead. It's in James 2.20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Well, this seems to conflict with Paul's letter to the Ephesians. In chapter 2, verse 8 through 9, Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Hmm. Well, how did the church solve this? Are we saved by faith or are we saved by works? And why were both Paul's letter to the Ephesians and James' letter to the church considered canon or inspired by God and to actually be the word of God and not man? How do we solve the differences between James and James 2.20 saying, Faith without works is dead, and Paul saying in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, By grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. In my opinion, it's simple and can be understood by one word. It's the word polarity, P-O-L-A-R-I-T-Y. Polarity is a practical tool for working with difference. Polarity is a pair of truths that are independent, but neither truth stands alone. Rather, they complement each other and may even be dependent on each other. Some situations or truths have only one right answer. This we could call an either-or. A good example is Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life out of John 14.6. That's because Jesus is truly the only way and there is no other name under heaven whereby man may be saved. But other truths may have more than one right answer. 
and work together to complete the whole. We could call this, instead of an either-or, we could call it a both-and. Much like a battery, it has a positive and a negative. Which one is right? Well, together is how they make power. With our lungs, we breathe in and we breathe out. Which one is right? Well, again, together they bring life. For a healthy church, do we need inreach or outreach? Which is the most important? Well, both. We can even look at a seesaw. If the person on the bottom doesn't think they're important and jumps off, well, someone might get hurt. Is it possible both truths concerning faith and works are important? Well, like James asks in chapter 2, verse 14, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? I like how the Message Bible states it. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? I like that translation. Remember, if anyone knew the heart of the Savior, James did. He then very clearly let us know how to tell if he has faith. He says in chapter 2, verse 18 in the message version, I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department and I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith, fit together, hand in glove. So are we saved by works? No, like Paul stated, we're saved by grace through faith in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Well, then why doesn't Paul talk about the importance of works? Well, he does in the very next verse. Ephesians 2, 10 in the message version says, No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten already for us to do, work we had better be doing. So like faith and works, here are several other biblical polarities that are important for us to understand. How about the word guilty and redeemed? Why? Because if you were not first guilty, you would have no need of redemption. How about sin and grace? That's a polarity. Why? Because if you never sinned, you would have no need of grace. What about faith and love? Why? Because faith works by love. What about law and grace? Well, because the law reveals your need for grace. What about old and new? Because the Old Testament is the new concealed, and the New Testament is the old revealed. We could even talk about the two and the ten. Why? Well, I believe the Ten Commandments are simply an amplified version of the two. Now, repentance and faith, I consider them polarities. Why? Because they work together. Repentance and faith, one without the other, brings imbalance. If all we do is live in repentance without entering faith, we'll never begin to walk in who we are in Christ. And if all we do is stand in faith without humility, we stand the chance of becoming prideful, arrogant, and not being sorrowful when we sin. I see repentance and faith like sisters. They work together and should be the balance for everyone's Christian walk. This brings us to the truth of living in godliness. No, it's not how we earn salvation, but it's how we walk out the salvation that we've been given, growing in grace, renewing our minds, and maturing in Christ. It will take a lifestyle of repentance and faith. 
These are not either or truths. They're both and. Godliness is profitable and carries with it the promise of the life that now is and the promise of the life which is to come. And it says in 1 Timothy 4.8, For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So, very strongly, James tells us in James 2.24, You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. I like to say it this way, We are saved by grace through faith, That works by love. What does James want us to know? Practical religion and genuine faith. So who is right, Paul or James? Well, both. You see, words are important, but words can be cheap. Here's a perfect example. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. I wish we had more time. But we have to stop. We'll continue right here tomorrow, same time, same channel. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is The Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's The Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.